Welcome to Dynasty Ball, the Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. On today's show, we are going to dive back into 2021 and review the running back and tight end position. Uh, we're also going to briefly touch on one of the more dramatic off seasons that we've had in a number of years. There's so much action that we're going to hopefully have a standalone episode dedicated to all the, the action in free agency and the inaction in free agency and how it relates to, to Dynasty Fantasy Football. But before we get into any of that, Ben, how are we doing? We're in shock over here after the Seahawks trade as a Seahawks fan. So uh, got that going. Um, but I have to say, like, the last uh, know, month of football news, like, whether from, like, crazy contracts, quarterback movement that we've, like, not ever seen, um, pretty nuts. And uh, I think the... Uh, the implications for Dynasty, I'm like, I haven't had a chance to look at my roster, but I'm like, God damn. <laughs> like, yeah, we'll do it like after this offseason. It seems like one of, you know, this kind of rare offseason where in the past when moves happen, you kind of jump back in your fantasy, your Dynasty League and look at your rosters and see what kind of uh, what it means when there's a signing or somebody who gets traded. But this year, there's just been so many dominoes that keep falling. It's almost like not even worth going in and spending the time to to look at stuff because the moment that you kind of settle in on a guy or decide you're going to move a guy, um, somebody else gets traded, and all of a sudden that changes totally changes the picture. Uh, I have a question for you, Ben. What do you think? There's anything behind, you know, why this off season of all off seasons, there's been just so much more movement than usual, especially at the quarterback position. Is it just purely because we have kind of these uh, uh, personalities, I'll say, in, in Russell and, and Rodgers that have, you know, kind of caused a b- bunch of other dominoes to fall, or is there something else behind it? Um, I think it's a couple of things. I keep hearing people talk about that it's, you know, copycat league and people just want to follow the Rams and yep. they made a big trade for Stafford and then um, won it all. And definitely the, like, you know, quarterbacks have a lot more say these days and even you know looking at Tyree Kill you're seeing player or Devontae mm. kind of dictating where they go a little mm. more NBA like um yeah. but I think for the quarterbacks especially it was just there was um I thought this was going to happen last year and it didn't really materialize and so I think a whole bunch of moves just kind of got pushed into the same offseason um and then there's also, I think, more and more you're getting that sort of uh, it's better to be bad than to be mediocre. Um, mm. And you're seeing more teams just pull the plug. And then other teams, if they're like, we have a good roster, go for it. I mean, I think you can look at the Colts as the bad example of this. Like, oh, come bad. on. I, that was I mean, <laughs> they just haven't gone for it. Like, they have this great roster and they're playing like they you know, like 10 years ago or something or 20, like they. That's exactly what I was going to say. The Colts, it seems like the Colts are a great example of how NFL teams functioned in 2005. Like you build through the draft, you get a great, you know, you have a great GM, you're good at talent evaluation, you get a quarterback, you, you know, bring them through and and then you go win win a Super Bowl with them. But it seems like they're a little bit behind the curve in terms of how the, how fast, the NFL's moving and and as a result they've been stuck with three just total um, 
you know, settles, right? settling moves when it comes to, you know, obviously Rivers and then pulling the trigger a little bit on Wentz and they kind of went all in, but um, it seemed more like they, that was just a total miss, obviously. Um, I wouldn't be, and I'm assuming that Wentz is going to be like a top five quarterback this year, probably in Washington <laughs> because of that. I would uh, then, eat my hat. And then obviously getting Ryan this year, but yeah, it's just, it, I think that's a great contrast. You look at the difference between like how the Rams are functioning and just completely devaluing draft picks and winning Super Bowls and just having talent all over the place. And then how the Colts are functioning very traditionally. And, and it's just, it's not getting you nowhere. And so it'll be interesting to see if that eventually uh, causes some severe blowback. You would think that eventually once the Rams lose some of this top end talent that they're going to have some seriously down years, but maybe football turns into kind of baseball like where, you know, the high end teams and big markets just, keep trading capital and bring in free agents um, and are, and are able to compete that way. It'll be really interesting to see what, you know, five years looks like from now. If, if it is a copycat league, I think they're copying the wrong team, to be honest. Like I, I was surprised the Rams did it. I, I'm, I mean, they're obviously, they have some stars, but yeah. maybe they'll, maybe they'll keep making it work. They got a great coach. Um, I, I think it's real risky. I think that, you know, in the next three years, people are going to look back and be like the teams that were collecting draft stock probably did it right. I mean, you win a Super Bowl, you win a Super Bowl. I'm not going to take that away from you. But yeah. a lot of teams are going to be left real sad in the AFC during the arms race here. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that stuck out to me is normally you would imagine this kind of arm race would be occurring in 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 both conferences. But I don't understand some of these teams in the AFC being so aggressive when you have the top end talent in, in, in Buffalo and in Kansas city, Cincinnati, obviously coming off a of super bowl, um, the chargers are uber talented. And then you have all these other teams like the Raiders going all in. Um, and I just, I don't understand what that is all about. I don't know if it's, they truly think they can compete because they were a wild card team last year and they were lacking some some weapons on the offensive side of the ball um or if it's more of kind of just you know in this current day and age in the nfl it's more important to make market splashes than it is to build a successful football team that can actually compete in your division i mean i i think it's more fun i i'd rather <laughs> see a team like oakland just fucking go for it like they have no no reason to with that division, like they should just buckle down, trade assets, get picks and come back in a couple of years. But I love the fact they're just going to go for it. I think it's awesome. It's going to make for some good football. I'll ask you a question, man, because, you know, two teams that are doing this completely differently, obviously one being the Seahawks and, and mm-hmm. there's some sensitivity around that. And then the other being, being, a, being the Rams. And I'll ask you a question here. So if I could, if you had to you know, invest your, your life savings, and and bet on who what franchise is in a better place in 2027 would you put your money on the hawks or on the rams that's a long how about we say like 2025 2027 is like an eternity in the nfl can we say 2025 we can say 2025 if you think that's a better forecast yeah i think 2027 who knows they'll be like brand new teams except you know i don't know they're not even gonna have the same quarterbacks by then okay in three years um but three three years out i 
so that's where it comes in. I don't even know if this fits in the dynasty. I just started to think about that, but like how much, you know, the GM and the coach matter um, and what you're doing. I think the Seahawks, if I were putting life savings, I'd probably still go the Rams. Um, maybe by the end of this offseason, I might say differently, but like where we're at right now, pre-draft, um, I would trust the Rams keeping it going, considering the star power they have. Um, yeah. Even even because they've been making good picks, like they're making guys work. They got a good a good defensive uh, scheme. Like they don't need a bunch of high paid players outside. They got a lockdown corner. They've got obviously Aaron Donald, and then they got a whole bunch of role players that work. So I would I would go Rams. Um, now would I maybe say trying to think of another team that is in that rebuilding bucket, maybe say Philadelphia. Um, I might go saying Philadelphia will probably be better than the Rams in three years. Yeah, I think Philly's a lot more set up in terms of, you know, the young talent on on really both sides of the ball, but especially on offense. I mean, they have, they're building, they're building for sure. And I think, you know, being in the NFC, it also is, you know, advantageous. So um, interesting. So yeah, interesting stuff. A lot of different moves. Obviously, we had, you know, Russell Wilson go to Denver. We had Rodgers stay in Green Bay. And then Devontae subsequently leaving to Oakland, which was probably the most shocking move to me. Um, we had Tyreek going to Miami. Anything else big? I'm, I'm, Tom Brady coming back. Obviously, that was. Uh, oh, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson going to Cleveland. I don't know how much he's going to play this year, but obviously it's it's a domino. <laughs> um, Matters for some. I mean, it, it might matter because if they. You know, who who's the backup they signed? Uh, I just saw that. Um, I don't recall. Let me look. I mean, because really, you might be projecting, you know, you get Deshaun Watson and your first thought is like, oh, man, they're going to go off this year. But if it yeah. is that he's suspended for half the season, um, that's a weird... It would be weird in Bruce, redraft leagues in particular. Brissett, 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 which I actually like Brissett. In, like, obviously, Brissett has shown himself to be a very, very good backup quarterback. Um, and that division, I mean, we'll see. Um, there's there's definitely some question marks there. And and Cleveland does have a ton of talent uh, on the offensive side of the ball. So that's probably the most talented offense Brissett's ever played on when you consider the offensive line that he's going to be behind. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think there, there's definitely some some upside there. The one thing I was going to say that maybe some of this um, crazy free agent um, moves and, and aggressive trading by teams, how it, how it pertains to Dynasty, I think one angle could be in the past, really, really good players on terrible teams have had, you know, pretty serious value to, uh, devaluation uh, in Dynasty Leagues. Just because you figure, hey, if you know, if that player is is as high end as as we think he is, there's no way that team's going to move him. They're going to build around him. But maybe now there's a, you know, a pattern that shows, you know, some of those guys might get moved, and and teams might be more willing to, you know, kind of go into the NBA tank mode and and move some of those higher end players to better teams. In which case, maybe some of those really really good players on bad teams suddenly have a little bit more value in dynasty league than they would before. Yeah, I can I can see that. Yeah, but anyway, um, so yeah, crazy free agents, uh, free agency, a lot of different things going on. 
I'm going to throw out three under the radar signings, Ben. There was so much noise this year that I think some of these um, signings probably are going to be ignored by the majority of dynasty fantasy football players. And so I think there's a real opportunity here to um, target these guys either, you know, before we get into draft season. And I'm sure a lot of these guys are going to rise up on boards, but these are three ones that stuck out to me and you can tell me what you think. So the first one, Jameson Crowder signing with the bills. Um, Crowder was crazy productive uh, in every season that he, or every game that he played with the jets. And obviously we all know what that offensive situation was like. Uh, He's an awesome guy out of the slot. Seems to catch everything. Very, very productive. Good red zone player too, for being a slot player. And uh, I think that that has the potential to really, really turn into something with Josh Allen. Uh, and he probably is going to be wide receiver three on the depth chart there. So, is uh, what Gabriel Davis number two then? I would think so, especially with his the postseason that he had, uh, specifically the game against the Chiefs. I think there's a lot going to be a lot of hype around him because of that. But I, I could easily see Crowder turning into a high, more, much more highly targeted guy for Josh. We'll see. Yeah, I, uh, I like second, that move there. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. Uh, I think he's a great stash play for sure. Uh, Ed, and then Chase Edmonds to the Dolphins. The Dolphins have been mm. very much running running back by committee for the last three years to the to the chagrin of uh, many fantasy owners, and they trying to pick that. Whoever was going to be the the leading horse there has been a challenge. Um, but I feel like Edmonds is quite a bit more talented than anybody else they have on that roster. And with some of the other weapons, you know, the, that they've added on offense, I could really see that turning into turning into something. What are your thoughts on Edmonds? Am I am I overhyping? No, I mean, so I I happen to love Chase Edmonds and I tend to fall in love with players that I like pre-draft. Um, in the pre-draft process. So I've always kind of followed him when he's been on, uh, like when he was on the Cardinals, I think I've rostered him multiple times. Um, Mm -hmm. And I got to think that getting a Shanahan disciple and Mike McDaniel is going to help. My thought though, we'll see, we'll see how the draft turns out. I I literally just today was thinking about how um, uh, like Kenneth Walker, the third would be a great fit on that offense to get another explosive player to go with two super explosive wide receivers, um, and a great fit for zone running. So that's one, like, you know, I think right now going to be great. I wouldn't shock me if they add another running back with just the whole new regime in there. For some reason, I still can't believe they had the Huskies running backs in there for so long with Gaskin. And (laughs) really, I mean, I love it. I love it. But, um, yeah, so so to me, I mean, Chase Edmonds is a great player, honestly, for, for, you know, kind of the hype that he has. I think he's really underrated. So if nobody else comes in there, he would be way up on my draft board. Yeah, and the last one I have here isn't necessarily a good thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just an observation because I think uh, it's going to result in a lot of draft decisions and that's uh marquez valdez kick scantling going to <laughs> yes. kansas city oh, uh, nice. yeah so obviously this move was done before tyreek left and i think there was maybe some questions as to what the heck the chiefs were doing because they seem to take these physically talented receivers um and everybody assumes they're going to be awesome with mahomes and reed and they just aren't 
Uh, and then Tyreek left, and so you have to wonder if they were trying to, you know, build up some 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 stretch players on the outside before they made that move. But this one smells to me a lot more um, like oh, who is I'm just completely blanking right now. The wide receiver from from Buffalo um, that went to Kansas City, Sammy Watkins. This seems yeah. to me a lot more like Watkins than a Tyreek replacement. D- am I off on that, or do you buy it? I, so I, I would say, um, I mean, Scantley, I mean, he is one of the fastest players in the league. And I think he kind of becomes that takes the top off the defense type in a way that Sammy Watkins isn't. And I think... Um, Juju is more of the Sammy Watkins edition. Hmm. Uh, if anything, is more of the possession guy. Um, I mean, he's never been great, and he's been <laughs> with Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't know what to make of it. I think the only player on that entire team that you can feel confident in is Mahomes. I think the running back situation is in flux. Wide receivers are tricky. I would rather have Juju probably. Um, um Travis Kelsey is out here just fuming oh, at that oh, state. Okay, but. that was insane. But he goes without saying. I mean, he's I, I have no way to yeah, okay. That's <clears throat> if there's anyone whose stock has gone up through all of this, it's him. God. Yeah, Mahomes. Mahomes has got to be bummed. My fantasy team I, is bummed too, because I've been trying to sell high in Tyreek forever, and now I gotta decide whether to sell low. So I was very much hoping that you were gonna um as as an owner of Noah Gray, who's uh, the tight end too in Kansas City, I was hoping there was a and Travis Kelsey is getting old, he's washed take, uh, but you just forgot about him. So, <laughs> if only. Well, it's a Tuesday, so you're forgiven. Anyway, an interesting move. Um, again, not sure exactly what to think about it. Uh, I will be um, kind of a buyer beware on MBS. Uh, I just think the Kansas hot take. Uh, I think Kansas City is going to finish fourth in that division this year. That's a really hot take. I know that they're still wow. I know they're still still the betting favorite, um, but they had issues last year, and I just think Tyreek makes that offense go. And I know that sounds silly because obviously Mahomes is just incredibly talented, but. In the games where, first of all, in the games where Tyreek was hurt, which wasn't that often, that offense was very, very limited uh, or a lot more limited than they are currently. And, you know, they still have issues on the offensive line. They still have no idea how to use CEH in the running game, even a little bit. Uh, And then that defense is getting older and less, you know, having less depth. And then you look at all the other teams in that division. Every single team in that division has a better defense than the Chiefs. I mean, it's going to be a bloodbath. Every single uh, team in that division has a very adequate to awesome quarterback. And I just think, I think Kansas City is the worst team in the, in the league, in that division on, on, on paper. So I'm going to sound like the idiot, one thing, but <laughs> the one thing I'll add is that uh, with, Tyreek and Travis, they had two players that demand double coverage. And that makes it really hard 
and they like you you can't I mean they could go out and you know they could trade up and take the top receiver take one of the Ohio State kids or um, whoever they could possibly add they will not get a player like Tyreek not getting double well they're not getting double yeah it doesn't matter. all those all the rookie wide receivers this year um, you know the first five games of the season they are not going to be double and they're probably not going to deserve I mean rookie wide receivers tend to struggle like that there's there's usually a little bit of lag there i mean there's some exceptions but uh yeah i i my only thought on this is the andy reed factor in his ability to run different types of offenses um and whether he's gonna come out of this offseason pissed off and come up with a new plan but with the best court, with the quarterback being the best, most important, say most important player on the field, and Mahomes being the best quarterback in the division, fourth seems hard to me. So definitely spicy, but kind of kind of got me thinking that. Yeah, uh, I called the Seahawks being the worst team in the in the NFC West last year, and I was right about that. And and you you questioned me on that. I remember that. So this is my uh, I'm going to stay out west and and call. The, the Chiefs as the the worst team in the AFC West, I mean, but we'll see. And, and also, by the way, uh, uh, saying Mahomes is the best quarterback in the division certainly can do it, but um, <laughs> I don't know if I would. I mean, uh, Derek Carr, you know. <laughs> um, well, we I mean, also, you we're... know, the, the Seahawks called. They finished what seven and ten. Russell missed three games. That would have put them right in the mix. I, it was definitely a hot take, and it was, you know, it was barely. However, a cut, a cut line. they do have damn near the worst roster in football at this point, so it might be something. All right, there. we're getting, All right. getting too far into the team previews. That was funny. That that free agency talk turned into basically a deep dive on the Chiefs' offense, which is They're just that's, always, that's that's the good stuff. So. Uh, all right, we'll we'll have more conversation on free agency and the impacts to Dynasty. Um, might even do a little team by team breakdown, news and notes for each team. Um, but for now, we're going to table that discussion and talk about 2021. But before we do that, Ben, I'm going to turn it over to you for the fan favorite segment of the show, which oh. is all about looking back, remembering when uh, something glorious happened in fantasy. Uh, many moons ago this is indeed a glorious one I, there, there's i've got a couple lined up now after doing more research there's like <laughs> way too many weird seasons man this one i don't even know how i came across it so i'm taking mm. you back to 2005 uh mm. the year of sean alexander and the seahawks the terrible towels jerome bettis um however there was a different running back that just like i i don't even know what to say so willie parker Oh, really? Uh, no, it was a, it. Uh, a running back that got more targets this season than LT ever had in a season except one. Had more targets than Marshall Falk, except like two in Marshall Falk's career. Uh, this running back never had 34 more targets, more than 34 targets in a season including college. He got 103. Dude was playing at 5'10", 240 pounds. Okay, he almost had... Okay, okay. 
I got a guess here. Well, I have to, I have to try to guess. Okay, yeah, this will actually. I'll give you a clue after this with the next stat. So give it a guess here. I was gonna say Westbrook, but he for sure got more targets than that. Um, 2005. <sighs> oh, and to give you, I don't, did I give you the total targets for this? You said like one, one, one oh three. 103 for a running back in 14 games. Give me, give me the, give me the division. Uh, AFC West. I don't, I don't got it. Uh, oh, Brian Westbrook did get him twice. 105, 118. Uh, his, uh, the second most targets on the team was just about 10 more for Randy Moss. So it was, it was the Oakland back. Raiders. Yeah, Oakland Raiders running back in 2005. I have no clue. <laughs> it is your boy Lamont Jordan. Oh my god! Like I was just flabbergasted. What? So basically, if my memory serves me correct, it seems like 2005 was right around the time when PPR started to become a thing. Is that reasonable? It was probably <laughs> I feel, some. I feel like that's actually it, possible. It was probably some like rich, influential, influential fantasy football owner who had Lamont Jordan and was just livid that the guy just kept getting five or six catches a, a game and no points to show for it. I mean, how just, many yards did he have on seven on 103 catches? He, he had 103 catches or 100, sorry, 103 targets. Make it known that is targets. Oh, okay. 103 targets. 70 receptions, 560 yards. Still ran for 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns. He was by far their best team. That was the year uh, Randy Moss really got sent to purgatory. He had Kerry Collins throwing to him. That's amazing. uh, I I literally literally did not remember that name. That's a great poll, Ben. Wow. I mean, I I love Lamont Jordan, too. He must have been on my dad's fantasy team or something when he was with the Jets. Because he was a good player. Um, But yeah, I was... I don't remember how I went past it, but if you look at his targets through his career, uh, he had, as a rookie, 10, 23, 13, 16, 103, 16, 34, 4. Oh, my God. That is amazing. Like, yeah, I just I no wonder how idea. I wonder the, co- it, the I coach won- was North Turner. I wonder how many players in the history of the NFL have had a, uh, a season with a, more than 100 targets. And then not had a single season with more than fifty. Yeah, like like the differential there. I just without an injury, a career-ending injury. I just I can't imagine that's ever happened. And he had a nine-year career. I mean, he the rest <laughs> of his career he didn't add up to that one season. Just yeah. Um, is there any way that you can look up how many drops he had? I'm sure that he had thirty-three. <laughs> That's some, well, yeah, you should. Uh, when I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if that's first, up. I'll, I can take a look. We'll see. Maybe we'll come you should back look later that up because that might answer why. <laughs> Maybe the dude had like 20 drops and <laughs> the, the dude was just putting up like Kobe numbers. He was just getting lots of opportunities and putting up adequate numbers with those opportunities. But that's an, that's an awesome pull, Ben. Well done. Lamont Jordan. Uh, hopefully anybody who's listening to that uh, can hark back to, to the Lamont Jordan season in 2005. That's, that's pretty awesome. Pride of Maryland. <laughs> Go Terps. 
All right, let's get into our season in review um, for two positions. So we're going to take running backs and tight ends. So yeah, let's dive in and let's start with running backs. So uh, obviously an interesting year for running backs. Not necessarily a great year for those picked at the top of most fantasy drafts, um, but definitely a couple uh, you know, lower picks that could have been league winners. Jonathan Taylor was obviously the best running back in fantasy by a mile. He was awesome. Uh, Derrick Henry might have been. It would have been interesting to see who ended up with more points there if, if he had stayed healthy. Uh, but either either way, you know, Taylor was just awesome from the start. And then we kind of dropped into our second tier, which was a clear tier two, and that was Eckler, Mixon, and Najee Harris. Uh, all had good seasons. I would say, you know, between Mixon and, and Najee, those were two I would consider kind of breakout fantasy seasons. People had been waiting for a while on Mixon and uh, with Burrow and all those weapons in the passing game, I think he finally had some some running lanes open up. So that was that was cool. Um, and then we kind of got down into our third tier, which was which was pretty significant. And that ranged from uh, James Conner, who was a total surprise in Arizona, all the way down to, I would say, maybe the Dalvin Cook area. So a lot of a lot of names and that's running backs five through, I would say, 14 or 15. So there's a pretty big tier three there. So if you had ended up with one of those top four guys, you were definitely sitting pretty. Um, but let's talk. Let's, we're going to dive in kind of deeper to just three running backs that kind of stood out to us for different reasons. So, Ben, I'll throw it to you first to give us kind of a discussion on on your first running back you want to talk about today. Sweet. Um, so I took a look through um, the different running backs and did some work just comparing uh, ADPs to their actual performance for the year, looking at the end of the year rankings and tried to pull out players that um, were either – uh, really overperformed, came in where we thought they would, or underperformed. Um, hmm. There weren't a ton of uh, crazy sleepers this year, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I and think some of them are obviously yeah. situational, but Devonta Freeman playing in the year 2022 was shocking to me. <laughs> he, hmm. uh, he was pretty much undrafted, but obviously in training camp, a bunch of guys blow their knees out. And suddenly he's thrust in with a chance to to take the job. And I honestly did not think that Devonta Freeman would play the least bit effectively, that he would keep the job past a few weeks and didn't touch him. And he finished at running back uh, like 31, I believe. 30. Um, And uh, he averaged like 4.2 yards at carry. And obviously he's on a, you know, a pretty dynamic offense, but one that is revolved around running. And I just could not believe he did it. Um, yeah, as an as an as an owner of Tyson Williams, um, I was very disappointed to see that uh, a rookie with fresh legs trying to prove himself could not beat a oh goodness, how old is Devonte? A thirty year old running back with a lot of miles um, does not speak great things about Tyson. I would say. <laughs> no, I think uh, they have an interesting offseason. They're obviously going to get a bunch of guys back. Apparently, the news is that they might not be back till start of the season which is kind of crazy mm. um you're talking about so, Chris Johnson or uh, Gus, Edwards? Gus Edwards I can't believe we're oh J.K. Dobbins yes okay yeah yeah 
so I don't know. We'll we'll see where that goes. But I I was just it goes to the um, it's worth rostering guys for that lottery ticket where volume does matter. If you're looking ahead to the season, even if you think they're going to suck, he still had some fairly useful games for bye week. So I was just kind of a reminder to myself to not just immediately only go for it. Cause I would have, you know, had you not rostered the rookie running back, that's probably who I would have picked up and not cared the least about Devonta Freeman, but he was still decent on a deep roster in our kind of league. Yeah, I, I had Devonta, which is funny um, that we're bringing this up and did not play him at all because of the fact that I had, you know, Dalvin. Had great C- running backs. McCaffrey and Mixon. Yeah. So kind of a waste, but nevertheless, I'm still there's sure that there's folks out there who did have Devonta and was just a total savior down the stretch. So what do you got next? Yeah. So my first running back that I wanted to highlight today was another player that that I had on, on my team and I, one that I've, I've had my, in this dynasty league for, for a few years now. And, you know, I think he got a really bad rap this year. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of people calling for, for Pollard, Tony Pollard to get a lot more action. And some of that is probably rightfully so, but the fact is, is Ezekiel Elliott, uh, once again, had a great fantasy year. Uh, again, kind of underwhelming or quiet, I would say. Um, and part of that was just because the mess that the Dallas Cowboys were, um, especially towards the end of the season. But running, uh, so Zeke finished running back six. His ADP was running back five. Um, so he basically finished right where he should have. And when you look at him compared to the running backs that were drafted ahead of him, you think of guys like Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey. Um, he really was probably the best performer in that top five area in terms of running backs. So I just wanted to give a shout to Z because the reality is, is, is Pollard is going to get more run this year. Uh, I think Pollard's quite a bit better in the passing game. He's obviously got fresh legs. Um, I think if they had a more innovative coach, Zeke would already have been on his way out, but they have Mike McCarthy. And so I'm sure that I'll still be a little bit of a, a split running back room there, but um, this might be the last season that we see Zeke as a top eight, fantasy running back and i just wanted to give him uh, some love because he was awesome again and uh definitely doesn't get appreciated considering you know who was at the top of the draft last year and how most of those top guys fared whether because of injury or other situations and and zeke was just solid so yeah i think that's uh yeah i actually highlighted zeke when i was looking at this because he was one of the players that that differed from kind of the the total points ranking because he finished sixth in total points, but he finished 11th when you're looking at average points because, you know, availability is mm. king and he played 16 games. Um, yep. But it makes me a little worried. It's his knee issue. Yeah. Seems like it's not going away. And uh, I was also thinking earlier today about the fact that um, when looking at players and, you know, we always talk about volume is really the most important thing. Mm. Um, I don't like, predicting on a player based on their volume like i would much rather predict on the upcoming season based on the volume i think they're going to get and their talent but just because a player got volume the year before does not really mean much because if they got a lot of volume and they sucked they're probably not going to get to play um yeah i've got a player we'll talk about at some point that i've uh i'm a little worried about honestly and he's a player that i was really high on for a long time and i'm just like he's he's been scoring points off volume but he's not showing talent and it 
the wheels fall off at some point. Yep. I really like your metric of, of looking at average score for when guys play because, you know, saying that Zeke was a better fantasy football quarter or uh, running back than Derrick Henry is absurd. I mean, Derrick Henry was probably the best player in fantasy when he was healthy. And yet, if you look at total points scored, you might think Zeke had a better season. But that's just that's just not true. I mean, Zeke had he accumulated a lot of points. He finished running back six, but he had a he had one two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks under 10 points. So you're talking about almost half the season he was a dud in your fantasy lineup. And so that's just a really good example of how sometimes you don't look at the total points scored for a guy. There are other metrics there that are maybe more important. Um, But either way, wanted to give Zeke some love uh, because it might be the last time they were able to. So who was your number two guy, Ben? All right. So for me, it was Austin Eckler. and that it's it's just kind of, you know, when I'm looking back, I want to just think of mistakes that I've made in the past. And I've, I have rostered Austin Eckler on my team. Um, and uh, he just keeps scoring. And good running backs on good offenses. Uh, he's shown he can do it. And I doubted it. And then he came out and dropped in a running back two season. Yeah. Well, Eckler, you know, he it was kind of a perfect storm, right? He... He stayed healthy, which he's struggled with. Mm-hmm. Um, Herbert was turned into what Herbert is, um, which is the best quarterback in that division, if you ask me. Uh, and Eckler also happens to be an elite pass catcher. And so it really kind of was a perfect situation for him. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see what his ADP is this year. Um, I could easily see him being like running back three. I don't think that he'll go over Henry and, and Jonathan Taylor. Um, but again, with how many opportunities he's going to get, how many points that team is going to score, how many points that division is going to score. Uh, it'll be real. Where, where would you take Eckler, Ben? I would. So looking ahead here. Um... And we're we're not supposed to look ahead, but still, I'm curious. I mean, just just kind of thinking about who's going to be up there. I would say probably he's the sort of player I would be taking closer to the turn in the draft. So, say in a 12 oh, wow. team league, I would feel pretty comfortable at 10 or 11. So, still my first pick. Okay. So you um, wouldn't be taking him at four, though. No, I, I think there's a number of running. I mean, I would take Jonathan Taylor. I would still take. Uh, Henry coming off injury, Dalvin Cook, Chubb, probably Chubb still. I like James Conner this year a lot, honestly. Mm. Um, Mixon. I mean, there's still just a lot of guys. Yeah, because there's going to be there's going to be people that reach there's going to be people that reach for him like crazy. Yeah, well, and also because I don't learn from my own mistakes, so you know I bring him on to say I learned about my mistakes, but I'm like a guy who you know he only ran for 900 yards, got 200 carries. Um, our running back targets always there. Um, so apparently I brought him up to talk about how I'm going to fail next year if I still not valuing him. What, what's, what was, I know he finished running back too. What was his ADP? Uh, his ADP was 11. 
Okay, that's actually not as low as I thought. So, so he was. That's interesting. He drafted so, about where I would have drafted. I was going to say, let you, you. <laughs> so let's just let's let's review this. So Eckler was drafted at the turn last year. He finished as running back two in one of the best offenses in football, and you're going to still draft him at the turn. So it's good good to know. Uh, there's no recency bias with you, Ben. I got I got to appreciate. That. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. If I would have had him as my ADP eleven running back last year, but. Now, he probably would have been in there. Funny, <laughs> although I mean, you know, I was super high on Josh Jacobs, and that didn't really turn out. So, who knows? Yeah. All right, what do you got next? So, my next uh, running back position I want to highlight is not a particular running back, but more of a uh, a a backfield for a particular team. And we touched on this a little bit, but uh, the Kansas City running back situation last year was um, interesting to say the least. Uh, Kansas City's running back situation was. Taylor made it was it was the exact reason why you want to handcuff guys that you're not super confident about. Obviously, you want to handcuff any of your high end guys if you can, but it's so important if you have questions in terms of a guy's productivity, how he's going to be used, his health, you have to handcuff him because otherwise what happened with a lot of teams is they took CEH at the end of the first round or early second round and then they just lost all of that production on a good offense and all they needed to do was to take Darrell Williams and they would have been totally fine um but that didn't happen and a lot of teams got burned from it so it was just a really a, just a really good case study for for that type of a situation um and this is I guess advice to anybody who plays dynasty football um especially dynasty football you know the, the importance of having that handcuff with a guy that you're not sure about is critical and I think a lot of people you know, they would look at Darrell Williams. He was running back 63 or ADP 63. And, you know, so if you're taking Darrell Williams at running back 40, it's like, oh, my gosh, you're you're reaching. That's crazy. But the reality is, is Darrell Williams's value is three, four times what it is in normal ADP if you have CEH. And that's an adjustment that a lot of people don't make. There's an incredible amount of value to handcuffing guys that you're just not confident in. So CEH was drafted ADP 14. He finished running back 33. So again, if you didn't handcuff him, you got killed. You lost your you know late first, early second round pick. Darrell Williams, on the other hand, running back 63 or ADP 63, finished at running back 19. He was awesome when uh, CEH was out. I was a little disappointed that he wasn't utilized more in the offense when CH came CH came back because it's not like CH was that effective. Um, so we'll see what happens this year. But uh, I just wanted to talk about that. I thought it was a really good case study um, for folks that are listening in and may reach for, oh, I don't know who's a good example. Um, maybe Javante Williams, right? Javante is probably a guy that's going to go late first round. There's a little bit of uncertainty with how he's going to produce as kind of the, the workhorse on a team with now a good quarterback and, and is really humming. Obviously, there's an incredible upside there. I'm very high on him, but he's a guy, he's a, I think a perfect example of somebody you have to handcuff if you're going to take him because there's just some uncertainty there. I think too, it, it goes to show um, some of the risk around taking players, especially rookies purely based off volume. If they don't have special traits mm. um, and like I, was so high in Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And part of it was just this like perfect fit in their offense. Yeah. But as a runner, like he's just a guy. 
Yes. Like he is not a special runner. And I think that really hurts him. Like he, well, go ahead to give, to give him some credit. Uh, I think his skills as a runner are much better utilized in creative running packages. I think he would be awesome on San Francisco. Uh, Kansas city does not have a very creative running game with their, with their running backs. Uh, it's, it's very much, you know, straight up the middle. Um, occasionally you'll throw a sweep in there, but most of the time you're running an end around to Tyreek. So there, there just, there wasn't a lot of creativity there. And I think he, he needed to be used in a more creative role to really showcase his skill set. Yeah. And I, I just thought he'd get used in the passing game or be more effective yeah. in it. Maybe it's a better sure. way to put it. Um, and they brought in Ronald Jones. So that'll be I'm curious to talk about that in a later episode. Gonna be yeah. a weird backfield. Good. All right. Who's your last running back that you want to touch on today, Ben? All right. We got Aaron Jones coming up for the Green Bay Packers. And one that, you know, maybe it's a sign of second contracts for running backs is just bad. Um, I'm not sure what it was. He uh his ADP was seven, and I'm sure he went higher in some drafts. Um and he finished at, uh, let's see here, finished at 16. Hmm. Um, played uh, 15 games. So he played a full season, but came in with a bunch less carries, lost some uh, carries, actually having you know a somewhat effective running back um, in the backfield with him. Um, yeah. But I was just kind of surprised. I would have thought that he would have kept it up with how he's been playing. He hasn't really had... Um, a ton of injuries that are really going to like sap him of his talent. Um, but he dropped almost a yard in yards, a care yards per attempt. Um, obviously his touchdowns got knocked. He got kind of saved. He ended up with six receiving touchdowns, but he pretty much had an identical year. He had 63 targets in 2020, 68 in 2019, 65 in 2021. Um, mm-hmm. but had less yards in those seasons. Um, and then finished with his really his worst year rushing the ball. Um, and that was with Aaron Rodgers playing the whole season. So I was just kind of caught off guard by that. I don't know what to make of him this year. I would be real, real wary of picking him. Um, I mean, it's helpful yeah, for him probably that Devontae left. I mean, they're going to have to run the ball more. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the slot zone too, honest. Like Ooh. he's got pass catching skills and, uh, you know, obviously they're totally confident in AJ Dillon uh, as a lead back because he showed himself to be capable. So um, wouldn't be surprised to see that. I think that's a great, you know, situation if you can manage to get, you know, maybe Aaron Jones and mid second round and then get uh, AJ Dillon, maybe late fourth, early fifth. You might not have to even get him that early, but if you compare those two together, um, all of a sudden you have a really, really, really good running back position. Uh, who who it's going to be, if somebody's going to get hurt, who knows what that ends up being. But uh, I think there's a lot of power in pairing those two and, and potentially reaching uh, to do it. There's probably some good value in that, honestly. I hadn't really thought about that, but imagine yeah. they're both probably not going to be that popular. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, A.J. Dillon has some... Uh, you know, upside being the younger player that people might look at. Um, but he's also not one of those players that has a ton of crazy traits other than being huge and massive quads. Yeah. Um, but like, well, 
he, he honestly, he doesn't excite me as a running back. However, the fact that they're both probably going to be down a little bit on what should still return as a, as a good offense. Um, in a terrible division. By that. In a terrible yeah. division. Um, the last thing I'll start, say about Aaron Jones is very, very simple. Um, I can hear Pete Prisco yelling from the mountaintops. Don't pay running backs. It's simple. Don't pay running backs. It never works. It. it never works. It just doesn't. And he's another example of it. So um, <laughs> that's my last thing I want to say, because my Colts, <sighs> Jonathan Taylor's coming up and I can see the writing on the wall and it's going to make me so angry. But we'll see what happens. Uh, the last one, Ben, are you all good on uh, on Aaron Jones? That's all I got. Well, the last one I want to touch on is is Josh Jacobs um, from last year. Yes. Uh, I would be curious to know what his average. He finished running back 17, uh, but he missed a few games uh, and really struggled kind of down the stretch. Wasn't wasn't the same guy that he was his first two years. I think people expected this year to be a big jump for him. He was only ADP 16, but uh, I think there was a lot of people that kind of expected him to make a make a leap and it didn't happen. Um, I'm raising my hand over here and he did yeah. he did finish actually worse so he played 14 games uh he finished uh rank 17 for total points but 21 for his average so despite yeah. missing a couple of games he actually was worse relatively yeah. speaking yeah so you know overall i would say it was kind of a ho-hum season uh you didn't get burned if you took him but there's just i feel like there's more there than than what they're getting out of him. Um, obviously, you know, he's gotten better in the passing game, but he still is is pretty limited in that role. And I think Hunter Refro, Hunter Refro's emergence really hurt him because um, that took a lot of underneath targets away. Because, I mean, he was a much better and more involved pass catcher this year than he ever has been. Um, but I think Renfro hurt him a little bit there. Uh, but it'll just be interesting to see what happens moving forward. Um, I have predictions, and we can certainly talk about that in future episodes. But uh, definitely a polarizing guy. Not too many running backs left in the league that are very, very touchdown-dependent, kind of heavy between the tackles. Um, don't you feel like, Ben, if Josh Jacobs was playing in, in 2006, we'd be talking about you know who you want to take, Priest Holmes, LT, or Josh Jacobs? I mean, he's a prototypical running back, that's for sure. I mean, I have... Yeah. I, I tried to trade for him this year in the Dynasty League and got literally nowhere. Um, but he's still only 23. Um, well, I have 24 here, but yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he'll be turning 24. I guess he just, just finished his 23. Oh, February 11th, that's his birthday. All right. Happy birthday, Josh Jacobs. <laughs> um, 24, 24 years and 47 days old. Um, I'm still high on him, honestly. I think yeah. with a better offense, they give him the ball more. Um, cause you know, his, his targets are going up, his rushes have gone down. I don't quite get why they've gone down. I don't know if it's just been that he has been a bit banged up. Um, I still think that there's a resurgence possible there. Um, yeah, I want, uh, I want the Raiders to go all in and, uh, trade Josh, Josh Jacobs and a pick for, um, Jonathan Taylor. That would make me very happy as a Colts fan. <laughs> Be an I, interesting swap. Yeah, right. I mean, the Raiders going like all in to try to compete in that division, and subsequently having to overpay Taylor in a year. 
Um, and then the Colts getting a running back who obviously is not Jonathan Taylor, but I think given the age and given what he has shown, I think can be a really, really effective player in their scheme. Um, so that's just GM Ben thinking through uh, how to not pay Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> yeah, don't right. pay running backs, kids. Before we get uh, before we burn too much more time, I know Ben's got to go to bed here soon. Let's talk about tight ends. That's the other position that we wanted to highlight today. Uh, tight ends remain uh, the the bane of my existence. Um, <laughs> I traded in the off season. I, I traded for Darren Waller. I was so excited to pair the current you know stud in Darren Waller with um, the high draft pick Kyle Pitts, which I was able to do. Um, and then Waller just totally busted. Um, he was terrible. And tight ends just, again, it's a real struggle. I felt like, you know, even a couple years ago, we were looking at, you know, 10 guys that had a lot of upside and, and were really featured guys in the passing game. And that's just, it's, it's just hasn't gotten there yet. And I think a lot of that is, you know, the speed of the game and these big arm quarterbacks that are kind of starting to take over and, and just not getting as much action over the middle there. But um, interesting year, you know, obviously Mark Andrews, we'll talk about him in a second. He was uh, tight end one. And then you have your two guys that were expected to be at the top, Kelsey and Kittle. Dalton Schultz had an interesting season, uh, turned into be a pretty reliable player. Him and Knox were very similar in terms of kind of coming on uh, out of, not out of nowhere, but a little bit surprising. And then if you were able to snatch them on waivers, you were definitely happy about it moving forward. Um, and then we have definitely some transitions going on. We got guys like Gronkowski, who still finished as running as tight end eight. Zach Ertz, who's you know getting a little more seasoned, uh, you know, finishing as tight end ten. We'll see what what those guys look like, you know, compared to you know younger guys that are in different situations, like Noah Fant. Kyle Pitts is obviously going to be in a completely different situation. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, that just sucks. A lot, lot of a lot of uncertainty here, Ben. Um, I'll toss it to you for your first kind of deep dive on uh, one of your one of your players, one of your tight ends here. Yeah, I mean, I got to say just to start off that I had Mark Andrews on my team for quite a while. Finally got off that train and look at him go. Uh, the pick the pick that I traded for Waller turned into Mark Andrews. So that was awesome. That's great. <laughs> I mean, that, that was a good move. Great move for you. Um, yeah, so my first player is Dawson Knox. Um, and this is partially just looking ahead a little bit, but he finished at tight end five, played uh, 13 games. Um, and I think one of the important things is, is that he had a hand injury, broke his hand, I believe. Um, and he played quite a few of those games still recovering. And he wasn't really used a ton. He wasn't seeing targets. Um, I think he's going to have a monster year next year. Um, he was really... Jameson. Jamison Crowder would beg to differ. But. Oof. Go head to head. I think there's there's some redundancy at the receiver position. And um, maybe that is just going to be a busy over the middle of the field. We'll see. Um, but Dawson Knox is athletic enough. Clearly is liked by Josh Allen. So we'll see. I, I was just impressed with how he played. Yeah. Yeah, he was awesome. I had him at one point and then dropped him and then regretted dropping him after that broken hand. He actually caught a touchdown with that broken hand. Uh, it was that's pretty impressive. So uh, good for him. Yep. Uh, 
first tight end I wanted to talk about today was Mark Andrews. Um, and again, part of this is getting bit by the fact that I traded Waller for for Andrews. Ben, I want to ask you something that hurts my soul to utter, considering the fact that the pick I traded for Waller turned into Mark Andrews last year. How many years do you think does Darren Waller have on Mark Andrews in terms of age? Hmm. Uh, he's, Darren Waller's got it. Well, no, he probably aged up because he probably played all around. I bet Darren Waller's only like two years younger. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, so you think Darren Waller's two years younger than Mark Andrews? Yeah, I might even say one. Okay. Yeah, this is painful. Um, Darren Waller is 29. Mark Andrews is 25. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. So Andrews just he I mean he has been in the league. I believe this is his third year now. Um, and he's been pretty good every year. He came in pretty young. And uh yeah, I mean I think he's definitely being really overlooked in, in dynasty. Um, I know one of the big things last year with Baltimore was they traded Hayden Hurst um, to Atlanta. And a lot of people thought that that might open up more opportunities for Andrews because Hurst was used a lot in the passing game. And it, it definitely worked out that way. And he obviously has a really significant rapport with Lamar Jackson. Um, I just think Andrews is a really interesting player moving forward. He was awesome last year. I got completely um, hoodwinked into into trading up a pick that that turned into Andrews. So, well done, Nick Brown, uh, for for flipping that. That was that was well done by you. Andrews was ADP five tight end and finished ADP one, and a significant gap there, twenty twenty five point gap. So, he was awesome. Ben, who's your tight end to? Uh, well, just to add teeny tiny sure. bit. Yeah. Mark Andrews, uh, the last starting with, uh, what would that be? 2019, he finished two, 2024, 2021, one. So like, don't sleep on him. Just pick him. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think this is unreasonable. He's probably going to be tight end three this year. Like yeah. in terms of ADP, like people are going to take Kelsey over him and people are probably going to take Kittle, maybe even Kyle Pitts. Um, I think that's just a clear mistake. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I got to talk about uh, baby Kittle Tanyan over here, <laughs> who I uh, I have talked <laughs> up highly. It's your boy. I, I turned down massive trades from Ben. Mid-see, that was probably the year before because he had no tight end. It's a theme that he doesn't have tight ends. But uh, – <laughs> Yeah, so he really disappointed, and I wanted to believe that he could do it because um, he, in 2020, he uh, he had a ton of touchdowns. He finished, let's see what he finished at. Uh, he finished tight end number three, um, pulled in 52 receptions, 59 on 59 targets, 11 touchdowns. Um, he, we said he finished tight end three in 2020? Yeah. Wow, did not know that. Yeah, no, so I was high on him because he scored a lot of points for my team. Yeah. Um, and he athletically is really good, and he's got great hands. Um, however, it just did not did not work this year. He ended up finishing, yeah, I got him at 49 here. 
18 receptions on 29 targets. Um, just a complete, utter disappointment. Obviously, he uh, tore his ACL, uh, but even when he was playing, it just was not happening, and tearing your ACL does not help. Um, it does go to show, though, that you should. I mean, obviously, you you, you go for it, um, and you try and project, but um, when players have really, really high tight end or touchdown uh rates mm. relative mm-hmm. to their usage you should mm-hmm. probably trust that it's not gonna happen again regression 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 the other thing about tanya and i think that is he's an interesting case study is you know ever since aaron Rodgers came into the league green bay has not had an elite fantasy producing tight end um you know they've had a couple years where they had guys that were that were decent um but they were, I feel like they were always overdrafted. There was always a lot of hype that, like, this is the guy, you know, look at that talent, look at the size with one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And it's just been proven over and over again, even with the coach, coach change, that Rodgers prefers to throw to wide receivers. And I think part of that is, is I think Rodgers audibles quite a bit into, you know, keeping that tight end in for extra protection, um, which is effective for him, but it's not good for production. So, I think at this point, we kind of have to just assume that until something drastic changes, that if you're Aaron Rodgers' tight end, there's, unless you're going to have a crazy touchdown season, like you've mentioned, Ben, there's there's not any reason to assume that you're going to be awesome from a production standpoint. Yeah, I, I just wouldn't touch him. It's just not worth it. I'm trying to look here and see. Mercedes Lewis had a top six finish back in 2012. I'm trying to think of who was who was the uh, Finley, the tight end from Jermichael Texas. Finley was Jermichael Finley. Just oh, just you talk about Ooh. just a just a dude. <laughs> well, you know you can't say they haven't hadn't had one great season. This was not a good tight end season, mind you, but they did have a number two finish from Mercedes Lewis. Uh, scored 126 points, but that was a Wait for little bit of an aberration. Wasn't Mercedes Lewis? Wasn't he on Jacksonville when he was in that? Hey, game? am I getting tricked by you? You're getting tricked. Oh, he was getting, he's definitely was, what, on. Was, he was there in 2012. Yeah, oh, so his later okay. seasons. There, uh, the the page I'm looking at is not showing their correct teams. I should have been tipped off by Jason Witten, free agent. Yeah, yeah. See that 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 type of journalism right there is that's ESPN journalism, but that's why I'm here to correct those uh, type of players. So. I think we refer to that as. Uh, What's the new version of Bleacher Report? Uh, fan something? Fan-sided. <laughs> fan-sided. That stat would be brought to you by slideshows. <laughs> oh, good stuff. All right. My last tight end that I wanted to focus on today was Noah Fant. Um, Noah Fant was drafted at tight end nine. He finished tight end 12, so a little bit underwhelming. Um, you know, I think there was, a, again... Another one of those guys that people kind of expected to take a huge jump last year. A lot of hype, similar to Josh Jacobs, and it didn't happen. Part of that was, you know, Teddy Bridgewater just didn't throw to his tight ends a lot. Um, but either way, fans are really interesting case. Really interesting in Seattle. Um, I don't know if it's good interesting or bad interesting, but, uh, bad. you know, there's just, there's a lot of talent there. Um it feels like one year he's going to put it together, uh, but we'll see. I mean, um, what are your thoughts on on Noah Fant 
you know, last year, Ben, and, and moving forward? Is is it just is it just not going to work the way that we all want it to? I think he's one of those players that the athleticism is more than the player. Um, mm. He doesn't have a lot of wiggle on the field. Like, you know, he can run fast, but he's not going to break anybody's ankle. I mean, he's not going to break tackles for that matter, really. I don't. I can't say I've watched a ton of Denver games, but when I have, he's never seemed like a dynamic player aside from, you know, getting open, catch the ball and then go down, which ain't a bad thing. I think he'll probably be interesting. I think having watched Russell play for the last, you know, 10 years, um, he doesn't like the tight end and he doesn't like throwing over the middle. Um, well, you remember fans not in Denver anymore. He came over to Seattle with in the trades. No, 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 no I know. But I'm saying okay, like, okay. we're just not used to seeing a, uh, tight end in seattle get used very much so i have just I like a natural inclination to be like who knows so i'm, I'm yeah. really curious to see how pete carroll treats that and how the offense yeah. treats it um and we're running the rams offense essentially and we've seen some success out of tight ends um mm-hmm. and he's gonna probably have familiarity with the quarterback i i think Locke probably right now has like a 50 50 chance of being the starter um you think they're gonna go uh, with a rookie or um, if I had to put money, I, I think they're probably going to end up with like a fourth round, fifth round rookie, uh, Drew Locke, and then they'll bring back Gino. Um, and I hope Baker. they get pick. Baker. <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, I'd be fine with Baker if they, if they give us a pick to take his contract. I, I yeah. still can't believe the Colts got a thing for Carson Wentz. I, I was a coup. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't. A, I was no. There was no. That was not a coup. That's called trying to look cool when you effed yourself in the face. Hey, by sunk costs don't matter. It's sunk. Um, I would not pick Noah Font. I wouldn't even touch him. <laughs> final Fair final enough. thought on that. Well, I I like Noah Font next year, but um, you know, we'll 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 see what ends up happening. I would have loved him if he stayed on the Broncos. Um. Cool. We'll see. All right. Can I talk about old TJ Hackinson? You may. Yeah. Let's talk about TJ. So this is a case. I think TJ Hackinson this year is uh, Kyle Pitts, or rather reverse that. TJ Hackinson last year is Kyle Pitts' upcoming year, um, where you have a young guy who's hyped, think he's going to be great, finally has the situation, and honestly just disappoints again. He was getting drafted at uh, wow. ADP six um, and finished at 12, um, which is just not that useful of a tight end. At tight end 12, you're pretty much there is, uh, let's see here, say an easy nine guys within 10 points of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a guy. It doesn't matter. You could, you could have picked Cole commit however you say his name and it wouldn't have mattered like you could have just yep. strung together a couple guys so i think kyle pitts looking ahead to next year is uber talented but with Mariota throwing to him as a number one target potentially um he's gonna get overdrafted because he's a number one target and he's gonna mm. get volume and i think he's just gonna disappoint um yeah i think pitts will probably you know relatively speaking get drafted higher and finish a little bit higher but I still wouldn't touch him. And I think so one thing showed man. One thing about Hawkinson that I think is interesting, you you'll recall, Ben, on our last episode, we were um raving about 
Amon Ra, St. Brown, and how yes. just amazing he was over the last four or five weeks. I didn't realize this until just now looking at um, Hawkinson's stats. It, the exact time that um, St. Brown went off was the games that um, Hawkinson was out with injury. He went out week 14. Oh, interesting. Went out for week 14 uh, and was out through the rest of the season. Previous to that, in weeks 12 and 13, he scored 9 and 10 points. St. Brown, in that same stretch from week 14 on, scored 7, 15, 16, 27. So his real explosion correlated directly with Hawkinson's absence. And I hadn't realized that yet. I don't know Hmm. necessarily what it means, but I do know that Hawkinson was used a lot more before that injury. so anyway, there's a little, just a little bit of information that we were both pumping up Amon Ra pretty heavily, just because, you know, again, normally when you see a, a young player really break out like that or to, towards the end of the season, it, it usually means good things for the upcoming season. But, uh, you know, that's a definitely a significant target share that was just gone. Uh, and Jared Goff likes to use his tight ends. He threw a lot to both Everett and Higby in LA before he was traded. And uh, he was, he was using, Hawkinson, not, not not maybe as much as people thought he would, but he was definitely being utilized. So a little, little, uh, you know, lukewarm. Interesting. You know, bring, bring bring the temperature back down a little bit on Amon Ra, just given the fact that Hawkinson is going to be back. Huh, that's an interesting uh, note there that I hadn't realized. It definitely, I mean, to me, even just from that target share, it yeah. seems like it just went from a guy he only had one player to trust on the field. There's some of that, but at the same time, you know, playing devil's advocate, the impressive thing about that is if you only have one player you can trust on the field, the defense knows that as well, and you can still oh, yeah. produce. Well, they could stop um, Yeah, I mean, so there's definitely some positive things to take out of that. I still think Amon Ra is going to be awesome next year. Detroit hasn't had a number one receiver since Calvin Johnson. Is that fair? Like a true number one? Yeah, yeah. I think um, so. And I think he's going to be that next year on a team that is not going to be good and is going to have to throw a lot. Uh, so I still am high there, but just, you know, be aware that there's probably going to be some regression because there's going to be target share, um, you know, dissipation because of Hawkinson coming back. And I should say, too, that he was a player that I was avoiding, like no interest in where he was getting drafted. If he's in the, you know, the 10 to 14 Agreed. ADP range, like I'm all over that because I think he yep. could be a great player. It's just... I, I like him a lot more as a closer to a lottery pick than where I'm picking him over a, you know, number four wide receiver. Hot take number two. Hawkinson's going to finish above Kyle Pitts next year. And it says nothing to Ooh. do with talent. It's just exactly what you said. I mean, Pitts is the only guy on that team that can do anything from a from an offensive weapon standpoint. And I just don't think Mariota is a guy who can get him the ball. Um and I think Hawkinson is solid. And I think if he had played the last five or six games of the year last year, I mean, Detroit really turned it I on towards the end of last year. Different. So, um, yeah, another hot take there for you. And I have Pitts. I love Pitts. I think Pitts is the future of the position um, because the talent. And when Atlanta gets that quarterback situation figured out, I think there's going to be, you know, I'll cash that ticket at that point. But, uh, yeah, Hawkinson, fishing above Kyle Pitts next year. You don't get those take. You don't get those takes on on fan sided then. 
No, you don't. You don't. But you would get a list of, uh, <laughs> I don't know, top 20 Colts tight ends or something. Yeah, yeah. Or through all of them. Top, top five cheerleader uniforms or something like that. So, <laughs> we're, we're, Actually, we're, most likely what you would get is like uh, 16 reactions to different teams' mock drafts. Uh, or like random mock drafts and uh, shitty trade proposals. I think that is their bread and butter, which to be fair, someone might have been opening them recently, but they're bad. I was going to say, this sounds like you've spent um, maybe a few too many minutes oh, scrolling through these, these slides. Well, look, <laughs> you search Seahawks mock drafts, and then suddenly you're on fan sided, which, you know, we shouldn't give them shit because they're probably paid uh like five dollars an article or something so yeah the starting I'm with point. you the starting point I'm with you not everybody can be on Ben sports line <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to do a, a revisal there especially when we get down to mock draft time and talk about the draft which okay. we will do here shortly um we will do definitely get an episode a draft preview episode in um it's all going to be you know obviously dynasty focused um before that draft so be be looking out for that we'll also we're going to try to get three episodes in before the draft. So we'll do uh, a review of wide receivers and quarterbacks, and then we'll talk uh, free agency a little bit more in depth there, maybe a team by team kind of short little thoughts. And then we'll do a, a short draft preview episode. And then uh, probably one of our longer episodes is going to be the post draft dynasty football impact episode, because I mean, truly, where you want to make your hay as a dynasty fantasy football owner is evaluating what teams do in the draft. You know, there's a lot of really good situations that's, that are not necessarily going to be big names. And uh, me and Ben are going to try to do our best to, to break it all down for you after that. So anything else, Ben, on tight ends or running backs in 2021 and what we saw before we get out of here? No, I mean, I think uh, tight ends are as tricky to predict as ever. Um, and as much as we think that the position is going to get revolutionized, it seems like there's only ever a couple of good players each year. Um, and I think in dynasty more and more, I'm like, man, get the best one. Um, and hopefully we get more running back sleepers. I think running back sleepers are the most fun when you pick the right one. And we just didn't see a ton of those this year. Yeah. Uh, quarter yeah. excluded, I guess. Um, I will say just as a plug, something to think about, because I know we've talked about this before when we do get to the draft. This year's wide receiver group is fascinating to me because there is like, I swear, like eight or 10 guys that are between this 5'8 and 5'10. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever seen a draft with so many short receivers that are like. And, I, and almost all of them run sub, run sub 4'4 four, four too. Yeah, they're so fast. So, I mean, great time to run a spread offense, let me tell you. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Al Davis is is smiling. Uh, from above, undoubtedly. So I am uh, I am looking real forward to digging into the uh, QBs, though. Curious, yeah. all this movement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks again, everybody, for joining us today. Uh, ben, thanks for all your work briefing the folks on tight ends and and running backs from last year. We'll look forward to to doing the next episode soon. We'll we'll definitely try to do it. Uh, sooner than we had to wait for this last episode. We got distracted with many things, including um, the school that must not be named uh, falling short of expectations in March. And uh, yeah, we're just going to move right on by that. So uh, thanks again, everybody. Better than falling short of expectations in uh, December, like the Huskies. 
It's true. Were there expectations in December? I missed those. We still fell behind them, amazingly. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, thanks again, right. everybody. Uh, this has been Dynasty Ball, the Dynasty Football Podcast. Thanks again.